0: Welcome to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to people who want to speak more as a way to build their income and grow their business. Welcome, everyone, to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. I'm your host, Jane Atkinson. Today, we are talking about telephone sales. You know, one of the fun ideas that popped up out our Accelerate conference last fall in Toronto was this simple idea of picking up the phone. You know, there's this ringtone. I don't know where I heard it, if it was in a movie or what, it was just, pick up the phone, pick up the phone, pick up the phone. (laughs) And so that's going to be our motto here today is just pick up the phone um we're just not going to talk about doing it though we're going to be- talk about doing it well and we have anthony steers here we could say Anthony steers or anthony steers here to help uh, he's known as the telephone assassin welcome anthony
1: Thank you very much. It's lovely to join you.
0: Oh, I'm so glad to have you here. Now, let me give everybody just a little piece of your bio, and uh, we'll delve into more on that. Uh, Anthony Steers, the telephone assassin, is on a mission to get businesses talking again and stop people from hiding behind their emails and social media. Hooray. Uh, engaging customers and prospects in the right way brings huge value to both parties, helping businesses find more opportunities and converting more inquiries to sales. Anthony doesn't just teach people how to sell, but simply shows them how to help their customers buy. So tell us how you got started down this path of this vision that you have for the future of people coming out from behind their computer monitors. I love this idea.
1: <laughs> well, I think that I know that I'm I'm certainly guilty of crafting that perfect email to send, um, which sometimes takes me a bit too long. And usually... I, I might send it to, and ask a couple of questions and you get a response and only get one answer. So the job's kind of only half done. And right. one of the best excuses I've heard from sales guys is, well, I've emailed them and I think emailing people is a good way to get it off your desk, but it doesn't mean anything's actually been done. You've basically sent out a message. You don't know if they read it, if they like it, if they're going to respond. So for me, I've got a bit of a habit now, whenever I go to type an email, um, I would start by saying, hey, Jane, and then I would just pick up the phone uh, and then I only have to write a short email to either say I've, I've left you a message or what I try and do is make emails a paper trail of my conversations.
0: Oh, lovely. Okay. I like that idea. So I know we're going to get into your process here a little bit, but let's talk big picture. I have heard people say that cold calling is dead. Do you think that cold calling is dead?
1: Um, I, I, I do in the fact that cold calling back in the eighties and nineties used to be phoning people you don't know with a view of trying to sell to them. Mm. Um, I personally feel that cold calling is dead because you, you have no excuse to phone somebody and not know a little bit about them. We now live in a digital world where mm. a lot of people overshare online. And as I point out to everybody, everybody's favorite topic is the same thing. It's themselves.
0: themselves
1: so yes. Do a bit of research first. You can figure out what kind of person they are. If you've been in the industry for a while or you're, you've got particular expertise you usually know the kinds of issues and troubles that they face so generally to to spark up a conversation isn't that hard but what it really requires, when my friends ask me what I do, because some of them laugh at the fact I'm the telephone assassin, um, <laughs> I say that I teach people very good manners and what's known as advanced common sense. And it's just using great manners and a structure to take people through a process where where they get to the end of the call, they want to do business with you or they want to move forwards. So. Yep. For me, I try and simplify it because most people find it scary.
0: I love the idea of this process that you're going to kind of walk us through to help people get from the beginning of the call to the the end of the call. Let me just ask a quick question. A lot of times in the speaking industry, Mm -hmm. clients will just email and say, A, are you available on this date? And B, what's the price? They really just want to know the price over email. How should okay. we handle that? Is it okay for us to say, hey, would love to give you a price, but I'd love to get you, have a quick chat with you just to make sure it's a good fit? Is that yeah. how we kind of get around that?
1: Yeah. if, if It's a tricky one, really, because a, a lot of everybody that I deal with, uh, and I uh, do it across lots of industries, people say, well, it's price sensitive. Um, uh, and, oh, God, it's all down to cost. And I always say, well, there's a difference between – cost and value. Value is a bit like beauty. It's in the eye of the beholder. So it's hard to just pluck a figure out of the air when you've got no idea what kind of budget they've already got in mind, what else they've got on their agenda, whether or not... Sometimes, like you say, you get given a date. They say, this is the date. Can you do it? And how much? Well, the how much depends on exactly where it is, what you want me to do when I get there, whether you want to provide me to provide books for everybody in the audience, whether I'm creating training material to go with it as well. So I Lots often of say variables. that actually I avoid it and say, yes, the date is definitely available. Your, ex- your event sounds exciting. Could we have a chat so I can find out more?
0: Yeah, good idea to get them a little bit more whooped up about your being excited about the event in the first place and then maybe getting on the call. Okay, so...
1: Well, I think think it demonstrates that you are interested to know what the event is about, who's in the audience, what the themes are, and it just shows that perhaps you're going to adapt your content to fit the event rather than just turn up and deliver your keynote that would be exactly the same. And most of us in the speaking world... Our keynotes don't change that much from client to client, but the context does, and it's choosing the right stories or understanding who's in the audience that makes us great speakers that get rebooked.
0: Nice. Okay, so let's talk about um, when what what the process is. Let's say we get someone on the phone. Mm-hmm. Is that is that the first place to assume, or is it do we assume back from that? That we're trying to get them on the phone.
1: Uh, It kind of depends really. So when I first started, a lot of it was around lead generation and trying to create and find new opportunities, get your foot through the door. Okay. But I've been doing this for about 12 years now and over the last three to four a lot of it's been more around dealing with inbound calls, uh, dealing with account managers rather than salespeople, mm-hmm. teaching people to observe their clients rather than thinking about trying to sell to them okay so it kind of very there's a way that I tend to boil it down there's there's three phases of a conversation that you need to go through in, in my mind for it to seem like a successful call and you get the outcome that you want okay. So, to, to kind of uh, give you the quick version of this, the first uh, sort of stage of a call is all about building rapport. Okay. Um, you've got to get people to like you and um, feel that you respect their time. So quite often just being patient is a really good thing that you can do here. Um, obviously, it, sales will always be a numbers game. But in my mind, a lot of people think that that means that it's just about getting past rejection, getting past the no's because eventually you'll get a yes. In my mind, I don't think that's true anymore. You should be doing some research beforehand. And I say that sales is a numbers game. It's not about getting past rejection. It's about capitalizing on the conversations people are ready to have. Mm. And quite a lot of the time, uh, I don't know if you or or some of your listeners have experienced this, but I've certainly received phone calls from people who are reading a script as soon as I tell them I haven't got much time they just say oh well I'll be quick then and you kind of say well you're not really listening to me they launch into this Mm -hmm. this kind of pitch which if you're new to the game then sometimes it's good to have a bit of a guide but in my mind scripts don't really work in the in the fact that the person that you're calling hasn't been given their copy of the script. So (laughs) what what usually happens is they say something that you don't expect. And if you try and bring it back on script, you kind of distort the flow of the conversation. Right. And they start to realize that perhaps you've got an ulterior motive or that you're more sales than you're letting on. So the first stage for me, I always think establish rapport. If they like you and feel that you're polite and respectful, then they'll engage with you.
0: What would be some good lines that might help you establish rapport? So yeah, I'm assuming it's not, how are you today?
1: No, no. Uh, I think most of us, when the first thing we hear down the phone is, how are you today? And we know that this is a complete stranger. We feel most of us tend to, most people tend to tell me it feels quite insincere. Um,
0: cringeworthy. And
1: quite a few years ago, they're just trying to gauge what mood you're in because it's a numbers game. And if you're in a good mood, then perhaps there's a good chance you'll keep talking. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always say um, a, a, the golden rule I say to everybody is whenever you're making an outbound phone call, always start by getting permission to speak at the beginning of the call. Okay. So a lot of us do that anyway, where we'll phone up and I'd say, hey, Jane, are you free to chat for a few minutes or are you okay to talk? Mm-hmm. What I tend to do is, I I really crank it up um, and I use a bit of reverse psychology. And what I would end up saying is, oh, hi there, Jane. Uh, my name's Anthony Steers. Um, I was just hoping to chat to you for a couple of minutes, but I'm assuming that perhaps now isn't the best time. Is there a better time to call you back?
0: Nice. And I the, like that. And the
1: beauty of that line is the last thing they hear is you making it very easy for them to get out of this call,
0: Sure. which,
1: which tells them one of two things, which is either – you can't possibly be in sales, so you're not you're not to be feared. Mm-hmm. Or if you are in sales, you're not very good at it. Um, <laughs> I um, like it. So the the kind of stats that I give people because again, there it's the numbers game. If you phone ten people, usually seven of them aren't even around. You'll get a voicemail or somebody trying to take a message. And, I, and my view is, if I don't know who they are and they're not expecting my call. I personally don't leave a message. I you say, don't, don't worry, it's not urgent. It's kind of important, but it's not urgent. I'll give them a call back at a different time. Okay? Uh,
0: so you would put don't worry or it's not urgent on the voicemail or you wouldn't leave a voicemail? So,
1: sorry, no, I, I wouldn't leave a voicemail. Okay. But if somebody tried to take a message from me and say, hey, they should be back this afternoon. Let oh, right. Me okay. All right. I'd, I'd usually say, look, don't worry, because I think we'll play telephone tennis. I'll give them a call back when I get a gap.
0: Don't you think as a speaker, though, that just hearing, especially you, you've got such an interesting, intriguing uh, accent. So say you're calling across the pond here to America or Canada. Yeah. I would think that your voice on my voicemail might make me go, oh, yeah, hmm, interesting. He's from the UK. And then I might actually have now a mental note about you in my brain. So that's yeah. something, isn't it?
1: Uh, yes, it is. However... Um, if I was to leave a second message for you two or three days later and you were out and about, Mm -hmm. a couple of psychologists have told me is that you're likely to start to build a negative association with my name as if I'm chasing you and haven't spoken to me, but the name is familiar. So therefore I didn't call him back for a reason. Um, so I just, I just go on the, on the air of caution. Okay, Okay. so the reason I do this is I do what I would call wish list marketing, not database marketing. So it's Mm -hmm. not about churning through uh, and trying to sift for the gold. It's about having a wish list of 10 or 20 clients and just chipping away until you get through to probably 10 to 15 of them within six months.
0: Okay, I like that. Okay, so I don't want to lose the path of the one, two, three. Um, so, so let's continue on that, but I don't want to forget to talk about gatekeepers after that. Okay. That's
1: absolutely fine. That's gatekeepers is one of the most common things that people, it's the thing that stops you before you get going. So we'll we'll definitely cover that.
0: Okay. So build rapport is number one.
1: Is number one. Once you've started to build rapport, what you need to do next is establish your credibility. And basically, and basically the way I tell everybody the best way to perfect your pitch is to share a success story people can relate to. So share a success story people can relate to. And all I mean by that is use case studies and testimonials from clients who are similar to them and just say, look, you're probably not looking for my services right now, but if you do in the future, I'd like to give you a reason to remember me and to give you a good reason, could I share what a couple of your competitors or other people in your industry are saying about me at the moment? And and it stops you getting to that point where most of us cringe, where we have to tell them how good we are.
0: I love the, uh, you know, you're using that reverse psychology again. You're probably not looking for this right now. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but I just wanted to make sure that I'm I'm planting the seed for you for the future. Um, and, And I love if you've come off a successful event, let's say for a particular industry, You might say, you may not be looking right now, but I just did, you know, your your sister organization in blah, 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 so-and-so recommended I call you. And now that's a little bit warmer, right?
1: Yeah, it certainly is. It certainly is. And you know, I mentioned about sharing success stories people can relate to. Mm -hmm. I always say to people, when you get feedback and testimonials, or as they're known on LinkedIn as a recommendation, Mm -hmm. I generally want it on LinkedIn. And the reason that I want that is because if you write a nice testimonial about me on LinkedIn, then all of your connections will see a notification in their timeline that you've written something nice about Anthony. Mm -hmm. And a bit like an email campaign, majority of people are probably going to ignore it. But if a handful of people go, oh, I trust what James says, what's she put in here? They'll click and open up what you've written. And if I'm lucky, then one or two people will get all the way to the bottom and go, this telephone assassin sounds good. Let me check him out. And then they'll click on my picture. And as most of us are aware or are vain enough to admit, we quite like to look at who's been looking at us on LinkedIn. Uh So if I can see there's a second level connection to you who has looked at me, I phone them up and do this spontaneous, oh, hi there, John. Sorry for the random phone call, but I was on LinkedIn this morning and I can see you found my profile, but I noticed you were were connected with Jane Atkinson. Uh, Can I just check? Did you read what she wrote about me?
0: So you're warming um, things up. This is like all, yeah. And I think social proof is big, don't you think?
1: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And the the beauty of it is, is most of us don't want to pick up the phone and do this cold calling. And if we can share these success stories on social media platforms that don't cost us very much, mm-hmm. you'll actually drive inbound inquiries or warmer leads. And people are usually more comfortable dealing with people who they think might know them at least a little bit and have connected with them on LinkedIn. Okay. Uh, But what I would then do is a week later, after you've written your testimonial, I'd probably screenshot the testimonial as well, like a picture, and I would then share it across Facebook, LinkedIn, and say something like, great to get some more lovely feedback uh, from another happy speaker. If you're a speaker looking for some help on the telephone, get in touch and ask me about a test drive.
0: And you know what I bet people like about you, Anthony, is that you're really quite humble. Um, you know, with, with your brand, the telephone assassin, I really wasn't sure we had never met before. And I really Mm -hmm. wasn't sure how you were going to come at this or come at, me mm-hmm. on yep. this and and i feel like you're so likable like that this stuff really must work because you're teaching people how to be likable and i think that you're really walking that talk i just wanted to make that note well
1: i'm i'm a member of the professional speaking association here in the uk and it's something that they say a lot is i walk my talk um, yeah. i'm one of those people that when i see it's somebody's birthday on facebook i don't write on their wall I usually phone and plan to leave them a voicemail because usually they're too busy. But when they pick it up, they're delighted to hear from me. They instantly try and take it towards a work conversation. And I'll say, well, look, I've been meaning to talk to you about work stuff for ages, but today's your birthday. I just wanted to check you've got the day off and you're having a good day.
0: That's nice.
1: And it's just a, a nice kind of little touch I think and uh, what I think people quite often like is as well as speaking I do deliver training as well mm. and at the end of my training sessions I quite often make live phone calls so I then show people the structure and the techniques in action right. um, and, and I get about three seconds of glory where they think I'm really brave and act like it's a magic trick right. um, and I get a little clap and then all of a sudden they go oh my god it really is that easy um, yeah. um and, it really and, is easy
0: to pick up the phone, pick up yes. the phone,
1: pick up yeah. the phone <laughs> exactly. um, I, forgot to say, I think there's there's a bit of irony in the fact that s- speakers are no different from every other business owners in the fact that we think our words are worth money, speakers, okay? yes. Yes. Um, and many of us are coaches as well, and we know how powerful our words are in changing people yet. When it comes to picking up the phone, all of a sudden we go a bit shy and scared and just want to email everybody. And I think, yeah. well, if you go whale hunting or do the wish list type of thing, <laughs> yeah. actually you, you don't need to win too many to make a difference.
0: I really like wh- the whale hunting and widget list, and I think we're going to have to schedule another call to go deeper into that, because that, that whole uh, thing of prospecting and, and the time it takes to do the research and all of those things, those are another big ball of wax. And um, I want to make sure we get to number three. So we've got build rapport, establish yep. credibility. What's number three?
1: Create urgency. Okay. So marketing people would say call to action. Basically, the way I get people to create urgency is to create different types of what I would refer to as a test drive. And a test drive comes in different forms. It can be anything from a simple tip sheet, your five do's and don'ts. Oh. Through to a a free consultation or discovery meeting.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: a lot of businesses, it's just providing a quotation. So if you're in insurance, for example, your test drive is we'll, we'll get you a quote a from quote. The market. Okay. Um, for some speakers, your test drive could be sending your show reel, inviting them to come and sit at the back of the room for another one of your gigs. Yep. Um, it could even be giving them a short taster to a small group in their business to do a bit of a a test on how your message is received before they commit to booking you for a big conference.
0: I love that, and and one of our um, friends over here on this side of the pond, Joe Calloway, he'll overnight a book, and if he ho- if he does hop on the plane to meet with the client, he's got the gig before he even gets on the plane. So mm-hmm. I love that. Okay, so you're really um, looking at creating some urgency and moving it forward by doing something that feels, you know, sending them something that will continue to add to your credibility to continue to allow them to get to know your work
1: absolutely and like you say sending books can be a great way of even prospecting i've even phoned people up before and said look um you're you're in head of learning and development for your company um i would love to send you a copy of my book just to see what you think and just suss out if you think one of those chapters i could come and do a session on for your team yeah um, see that's non- very
0: non-threatening you know you're not saying i'm here to sell you something you're you're saying i'm i'm inquiring i'm sussing it out i'm trying to see whether or not we're a good fit and i tend to call it matching versus selling you know yes. we're just trying to see if we match up and and if we're a good yes. fit so love i love it
1: when i last had my um my last proper job in inverted commas was about <laughs> uh, i think it was about 12 13 years ago um I, I did the psychometric test, and technically I failed the psychometric test because on my second interview, she said it, the test came back and it says I can't close. Hmm. Um, so I just said, "Oh, that that's interesting." And she said, "No, no, no. It says you can't do a sales close." And I went, "Oh, that's fascinating." Uh, and she turned around and said you're going to have to say more than that. This is a sales job. And I just asked if she'd seen my CV and noticed that I'd broken all of the sales records in my <laughs> previous job. Right. And she said, yes, that's the only reason you got invited back because the psychometric test would normally whittle me out. And I just said to her, look, your test is right. I said, I'm not very good at closing and I'm rubbish at selling. I'm just very good at helping customers to buy. Mm. and she gave me a little smile she tore up this piece of paper and said that was a waste of time you start on monday and the reason the reason that i tell people that is to be good at sales you don't have to be aggressive you just have to be knowledgeable about your product and passionate enough to help people to understand it enough to understand the value to either want to buy it or at least have a quick test drive and look a bit closer
0: Yeah. You know, we have a saying over here at Wealthy Speaker Headquarters that clarity equals confidence. Mm -hmm. And so our process of uh, getting ready before we take aim and fire it out, you know, when we start selling, um, Mm -hmm. part of the ready process is really picking a lane and knowing what it is and all the value of what we're selling. Mm
1: -hmm. And I
0: really think, that the reason why a lot of people in our profession are afraid to pick up the phone is that they lack the clarity that gives them that confidence to, to do yeah. so.
1: Yeah. And, and, and like you said, you're absolutely right. A lot of people are a bit confused because they're thinking, well, this is a sales call. I need to make a sale. And actually you don't, you should, you should be using the phone to cultivate relationships with people, not close deals. Um, the same as, Um, emails people send emails to get it off their desk I I don't rely on an email to sell me to people um, because I have to spam a hell of a lot of people for one person to go oh actually yes that could be relevant to
0: me right right you're just cultivating relationships by sending out drips of content and yep. ideas that people will say, you know what, we need that for our people. And I can see that what you're offering is something that's uh, very much valuable. Let's talk about gatekeepers.
1: Okay. So gatekeepers, it's its one of the most common hurdles people ask me about because it usually stops people before you've even got going, um, which is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I have uh, something that I call an overfamiliar ask, which is a technique I use uh, basically to try and sidestep a gatekeeper. Okay, um, the first part of it is to do this overfamiliar ask, where if Jane, if I was phoning you, for example, and you didn't answer the phone, I would go, "Oh, good morning. Is that Jane there, please? Uh, Sorry, Jane Atkinson." and I would say your first name like we're friends, and then uh, I would correct it like I've just remembered I'm calling you at work.
0: Right. He- and that you're at headquarters and the receptionist and not mm. the person who's right in front of me. Okay.
1: So the, uh, the, the w- I've had clients test this. In 70% of cases, you'll get put straight through either because they've assumed that we know each other or they weren't going to ask me anyway. Okay. Okay. If you want if you want to get up to 80%, then usually once they know who you want to speak to, the next piece of information or question that they will typically ask is, and who is calling? Because they need to know who they're putting through.
0: Right. What I then
1: do is I then overemphasize and overpronounce my surname like it's a crucial detail. So I would go, oh, yes, yeah, sorry, it's Anthony Steers. That's S-T-E-A-R-S. Thank you. Okay? <laughs> okay. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to... Play on the fact that you know me and saying, well, look, she might know five different Antony's, but tell her it's Anthony Steers and okay. she'll take the call. And okay. I don't know if you noticed, but there was a subtle, after I'd finished spelling it, I said, thank you. Thank you. This, so the thank you, which goes down in tone at the end, suggests I finish speaking. So it's a little bit rude, but it's just me kind of trying to... Play on the fact that this is a personal call and I don't really want you to ask me much more.
0: Right. Don't me- It kind of said, don't mess with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is polite, but it Pol- tries but very to. Very polite. politely. I like yeah. it. Um, All right. Wow. You are full of really good. Okay.
1: Humor. However, there is usually <laughs> one more question that they will ask that you need to sort out if you're going to get to 85% and upwards. All right. Um, this is where they ask you, and what is the call about? Okay. okay. Now, What a lot of people tend to do here is they launch into a script um, that it sounds very salesy and usually has a feature and a benefit. And it comes across a bit like an elevator pitch. It's what I tend to refer to as premature elaboration. It's just splurting into detail that you don't (laughs) need to cover.
0: Okay. Sorry, I was taking um, a drink where I would have burst out <laughs> laughing there. <laughs> premature uh, so, elaboration, I like it. <laughs> I
1: mean, premature elaboration, it tends to happen when we get a bit either overexcited or nervous and we just launch into a, oh God, well, this is what we do and this is why you should use us. And actually, that's um, not necessarily um, always the best way to start the call. So, usually when they say, oh, okay, and what's the call about? I usually just try and avoid that question. I just say, look, don't worry. It's not urgent. It is important, but it's definitely not urgent. When is a better time to call them back? Because what it does is it's not me saying, I'm not going to tell you. It's me playing on the fact that I want them to think it's a personal call so that they don't keep probing me, Mm -hmm. Okay, Um, which generally people... Kind of tend to be a bit more respectful to, but because I'm saying, look, don't worry, it's not important. Uh, when's a better time to call back? It feels like I'm trying to head for the door and finish. Right. What you'll often find is as you say that they say, well, well, oh I'm hang okay. on a second,
0: yeah, yeah
1: don't go anywhere. Yeah. Let me just see if they're free, because yeah. technically they don't really need that information."
0: Okay. Okay. Good.
1: However, there is one, a couple of industries where that technique will not work. So, in the legal industry over here. Um, lawyers bill by the six minute period as well as by the letter and the email
0: so <laughs> if
1: you are not on the clock if they're not on the clock and it's they, not related to an account then usually their pa is not allowed to put you through
0: okay but that's where
1: i would use linkedin tactics and other ways to get to them
0: okay <laughs> all right there we go so how about um Let's talk a little bit about generations because it's really hard. My kids are in their actual 30s. I don't know if that makes them millennials or not, but they don't like to talk on the phone. Well, Let's no. talk about different um, generations and why don't millennials like picking up the phone? And we do have clients who are in that uh, category nowadays.
1: Yeah. um, When I scratch beneath the surface and talk to millennials about this, they don't have a fear of being on the phone. They have a huge disliking to being sold to and don't want to be put in the same category as being a cold caller. One bit of sort of skill that this generation seems to have is they're a whiz on the Internet. And as I've already pointed out, um, doing research beforehand gives you lots of ammunition so that you know how to tailor your conversation to kind of float somebody's boat and and talk about things you know they're interested in. So usually, once I've um, explained to uh, a millennial, this is how you get permission to speak. Once you get permission to speak at the beginning of a call, you shouldn't have any bad calls. Okay? Right. So I talked about the seven that you phone that aren't there. Two out of 10 are going to say to you, actually, I'm in the middle of something now. Could you give me a call back tomorrow? And they'll go into an instant callback. Hmm. But at least one out of 10 will say, well, go on then. I've got two minutes now. What's the call about? Yeah. And that's where you've actually, the clever thing there is that you've got them curious into why you have called and therefore listening as right. opposed to interested in what you're calling about. Right. Okay But once you give millennials this this bit of ammunition at the beginning that 's almost like a shield that stops them barging into conversations that people don 't want to have yet, and then you explain to them the different resources that they have where they can go and gather even more ammunition and information about people. Mm-hmm. the younger guys on the phone are brilliant um, as long as they they 're respectful, um, most of them are pretty hungry to learn, and actually they don 't have old-fashioned sales tactics up their sleeve they don't do the he who speaks next loses each Mm -hmm. knows one step closer to my next yes they've got a totally different mindset um so i I get a little bit cross when people say millennials don't pick up the phone because half the time they don't put it down but i get what you mean the majority of them if you if you tell them some old-fashioned sales is a numbers game type stuff most of them would choose to do an Uh, a social media campaign or blog about something and try and create a community than they would strike up a conversation with a complete stranger
0: okay gotcha and what about on the opposite on the receiving end what if what if the millennial is your customer would you be better off than just working in the mode that they prefer which might be social media
1: uh so i uh, whatsapp is becoming something that i'm using a lot more um i do quite a few facebook phone calls as well Mm -hmm. um so yeah i i think it kind of depends but yeah a lot that they seem to be much more comfortable and quick to respond on certain social media platforms so i have that conversation with them so what's the best way to get hold of you what's the fastest way how do, what's the best way to send documents and things?
0: And I've had clients say that they've booked deals completely over text before. Oh yeah, no, with yeah, no yeah. phone call. That's crazy. But um, when you think about yeah. how much money is on the line to just say, yeah. you know,
1: <laughs> but, 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 but if you've got a great brand and a great reputation, yeah. your rapport and your your rapport isn't quite so important because it's considered service. But credibility is certainly there most of the time you're promoting a special offer which is what's trying to create the urgency that's why we most people have offers It's because it has an expiry date it creates urgency and makes people do stuff um but yeah you're absolutely right there's certain businesses out there but but there's a guy called graham jones who's the internet psychologist over here he he sat on the board for the professional speaking association Mm -hmm. and there's a study that says that the um websites who do the most from an e-commerce and selling online perspective all have a phone number in the top right-hand right hand corner because it creates a certain amount of security in the feeling that i think most of us have bought something online and when it turned up it wasn't quite what the picture looked like right but there's a phone number there and a human being that i could talk to if it went wrong so he talks about using phone numbers as a psychological way of, of adding more confidence to people to encourage them to buy online so
0: that's um, really
1: good. But, but, but I would definitely say the trend uh, for, for the majority of companies I deal with would say that a mature, uh, an older person is more likely to pick up the phone and, and, right. and want to ask a few questions, whereas younger people tend to take a few more risks or a bit quicker and quicker around the internet and clarifying stuff.
0: Right. And we are, our goal is to make it easier for the customer to buy. Oh yeah, definitely. Right? So whatever yeah. mode is their mode that they really, really want, if they really don't want to you know, talk to you on the phone, then okay, we're just going to have to roll with that and try to figure that out. So yeah. I, I love that your overarching theme here is about really cultivating relationships long-term. And I can see where you have a lot of really great tips and ideas for getting there tell us uh if people want to get in touch with you anthony where yeah. should they uh go
1: well obviously you can go online just type in telephone assassin it'll come up but telephoneassassin.co.uk or you can even search anthonystears.co.uk. Uh, my phone number is all over the internet obviously i encourage yeah. people to pick up the phone and have a conversation with me unless <laughs> no, i'm on stage no. or on the phone um, I, I will always call people back or I'll always answer. Um, I don't really have a gatekeeper. I'll be perfectly honest with you, um, unless I'm on stage, in which case they occasionally get pointed somewhere else. But, sure. um, but yeah, you can go online. You can see the different courses and stuff that I do. I do a bit of coaching, a bit of training and obviously speaking as well. So I've got the three elements to the business.
0: Brilliant. Well, I really think that we're going to be having you back on the show again to do a deep dive around the research end of things and the prospecting because uh, you've got some amazing ideas. And I want to say thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you for the invitation. It's been great. I've listened to some of your stuff before and I always pick up something useful. So yeah, thank you for inviting me on and I hope the listeners have taken away a few little tips that they can go away and implement.
0: I know they have. Uh, And and even if it's just the idea that it doesn't have to be picking up the phone to make a quote unquote sales call, you're just cultivating relationships that takes the pressure off. I think that's just a massive gift for people. So wealthy Mm -hmm. speakers, Thank you to Anthony for being here with us. Thank you for listening to our show. If you enjoy the podcast, please let us know. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, and be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. That's all for now. We'll see you soon, Wealthy Speakers. Thanks for listening to The Wealthy Speakers Show. Please visit speakerlauncher.com for your free Wealthy Speaker audit and visit speakerlauncher.com forward slash podcast for show notes and many more resources to help you catapult your speaking business. See you soon, wealthy speakers.